Hello, fellow lovers of all things green. I'm Mary Stone, and welcome to Garden Dilemmas, Delights, and Discoveries. It's not only about gardens, it's about nature's inspirations, about grasping the glories of the world around us, gathering what we learn from Mother Nature, and carrying these lessons into our garden of life. So let's jump in in the spirit of learning from each other. We have lots to talk about. Hello, fellow listeners. It's Mary Stone speaking to you from a breezy screened porch. It's uh, very cool today, and I've enjoyed an overnight camp. Just me, myself, and I. I still have not invited Jolie to join me because I imagine she will keep me up all night with all the critter noises that I hear beyond the screens. So I have to say, based on our last chat when we heard the chorus of frogs in my pond, it inspired a column that I want to share that then kind of meanders into some other ones as well. And it starts like this. Hello, fellow readers. Indeed, toads and frogs are beneficial garden guests, each eating a hundred or more insects or slugs every day. And while not all of us have ponds nearby, attracting toads to your garden is doable and fun. But first, may I share a story? While recording a Garden Dilemmas podcast episode from this green porch, a chorus of green frogs, spring peepers, and an American bullfrog were all singing their mating calls. Amongst them was a humming sound of an eastern American toad from a nearby garden, perhaps the same little fellow I've come upon twice before. If I may share the story of my American toad... Long ago, I had an adored green glazed pot that I hated to throw out after it broke in two. I'm sure you've seen garden pots toppled on the side as a garden feature next to a swath of flowers as if they're spilling out. And so I did just that, placing the green glazed half next to a cluster of happy palace purple coral bells. Call me a copycat, smile. Little did I know it would make for a safe getaway for a friendly toad. The story of my American toad became a column topic a while back. The title of that, by the way, is Healing in the Garden of Life. So that's available on the Garden Dilemmas website. It was during a time the garden became sorely ignored when I wrote. There were tears in my eyes as I began tackling what I neglected, exaggerated by memories of time and loved ones gone by. I felt unworthy as a gardener a nurturer of life. Then I knelt before the palace purple coral bells and began weeding. Within minutes, a toad jumped by my garden glove. Is that you? I asked out loud. I'm sure he was the same little fellow I spied the spring prior when I was scrambling to do a fall cleanup. Not a typo. I was that behind with the circumstances of tending to my failing mom. But he was plumper than the year before likely because of all the slugs he's taken care of for me. His presence lifted my heart. On their own, toads find cover under loose rocks and logs and nooks in the roots of trees. Then, come winter, they burrow below the soil to hunker down. They are amphibians and therefore extremely sensitive to pesticides and insecticides, so forego nasty chemicals in your yard. You can attract toads to your garden by making a toad house using a remnant pot tucked in a shady spot with low-lying leaves for protection from predators. Or use an upside-down clay pot tilted on one side and supporting the open edges with stones to prop it up. 
Then place a larger stone on top to stabilize it. Clay pots are cooler than plastic or metal ones during the heat of the summer. If water isn't nearby, provide some using the clay saucer that goes with the pot, refreshing the water each week. So I have a cute little pot photograph that you can look at. It wasn't a custom pot that I painted, but it came to me that way. It's, it's kind of cute in the garden, I must say. <laughs> My dear Jolie is masterful at pouncing cave crickets, and so I'm concerned she may be intrigued by toads, too. Another reason for a toad house to offer a hiding spot? Unbeknownst to me, toads have a defense mechanism against predators, much like skunks. So this is totally news to me. I had no idea about this until I stumbled upon the information as I was preparing the column. And so let me share more about that. If threatened, some toads secrete a poison that tastes bitter and smells terrible. It can burn a predator's eyes and nose, though it's not harmful to humans when picking up a toad. However, it can swiftly cause excessive drooling, foaming at the mouth, even seizures if your canine or feline kid is affected. Quickly flush out the venom with water, rinsing outward, and wipe their gums to remove the residue so your beloved pet doesn't swallow it. Then, as a precaution, contact your veterinarian. Fortunately, the risk of impact is low here, and here being northern New Jersey. But for those in the southwestern U.S. where the Colorado River toad and the marine or giant toad live, the impact can be deadly. Here comes Jolie! Jolie! Jolie, Jolie! She's getting her bone, do you hear? She's a bone dog. Actually, it's a uh, deer antler. Little did I know, and I hope this isn't going to bother you. I'm going to let her stay here. But uh, little did I know when my dear Ellie found a deer antler that this would become the go-to for dog bones. And now, rather than finding them, and I wish I could find them, I am buying them. And they are expensive. I think it's like a five-pack for $38 or something. So anyway, sorry for the little side note. So back to my makeshift toad house. Sure, there are ones you can buy, but making your own is more enjoyable, and you can decorate them with paint or markers. A fun activity for your children, or big kids like you and me. Garden Dilemmas? AskMaryStone.com I don't know if you're hearing the, the crunching of the bone, but we must just tolerate it, mustn't we? <laughs> so anyway, the funny part of this story is that, sure enough, Jolie did spy a toad, and um, Kurt was there with her, and he snagged a few photos of the scene, which you can see on the Garden Dilemmas website. I'm not going to spill the beans on what happened, though, because I have a feeling I may share the next column that I wrote, but maybe not today. I bet you will come back and listen, because it's going to be very interesting about cave crickets and the benefits in the garden. Are there benefits? I hope I piqued your interest. But I'm going to take a little bit of a break now, grab a little swig of my iced tea here, and uh, I want to share with you how I know so much about frog sounds and toad sounds. It's a fun story. I think you'll like it. I am just back from a road walk with Miss Jolie, and uh, it occurred to me that I didn't share some of the other tidbits that I included with the column about attracting toads to your garden. Did you know that frogs have teeth and toads don't? Frogs live in or near water and toads on land. Frogs have smooth, slimy skin. Toads have warty, dry skin. Though it's not true that you can get warts from them. <laughs> While toads don't live in water, they need water to reproduce. 
such as a small pond or vernal pool that stays filled most of the year. It's fascinating, really, to see all the clusters of eggs that are in my pond and uh, see them hatch into the tadpoles and some turn into frogs and some turn into toads that walk on land. I mean, it's a miraculous thing. It really, really is. And then I have a little bit of a note about Palace Purple Coral Bell, which is Hookera Palace Purple. The foliage ranges from olive or bronze green to deep purple. Sprays of tiny pink bell-shaped flowers rise above, providing a lovely contrast to the dark leaves when in bloom. They prefer part shade but can manage full sun if kept moist. Hardy in zones 4 to 9, they stay evergreen in the milder zones, including ours, which is 5B, by the way. And if their self-seeding isn't enough for you, they can be divided every three to four years in the spring to make more plants. You know, people are fanatics about hookera. It's an amazing plant, and there's so many varieties of all kinds. It's almost like a club to collect them. I have to say, though, the Palace Purple is my go-to and uh, actually the only one I have. So as I mentioned, I became a, um, I won't call myself an expert by any means, but I became intrigued by the mating sounds of toads and frogs due to an invitation to an event on Leap Day, which would have been in 2017. A local public garden called Greenwood Gardens was hosting a training to become a Frog USA participant. So the column is titled, <laughs> Jolie... Quit interrupting. <laughs> the title of the column is called Frog Watch USA, and it starts like this. I'm giggling, though, as I'm starting this, because the uh, photo of the uh, toad that's staring at you, actually, it's not my photo. I wish it was. It's so amazing. They are really cute. They are really, really cute. Hello, fellow readers. They've been around since before the dinosaurs, and few people get angry at frogs, said Tedder Whitman. Executive Director of the Cora Harkshore Arboretum in Short Hills, New Jersey, during a Frog Watch USA training I was blessed to attend. And a friend of mine, who's named Vicki Johnson, invited me to attend, and she does the communications for them. She's quite a uh, wonderful photographer and garden columnist herself. Tedor explained that he started the local chapter to inspire others to help train and monitor Frog Watch USA volunteers because there are no prominent zoos in our area. Frog Watch USA is a citizen science program of the Association of Zoos and Aquariums that has organized volunteers to monitor frog populations since 1998. Tedder joked frogs and toads may not be as famous as the charismatic mega-vertebrates, like the panda or humpback whale. However, there's been a considerable decline in amphibians in the last 20 years due to habitat loss, pollutants, climate change, parasites, and disease, which is of great concern. Frogs and toads are essential for pest control and as a food source for other animals. They are extremely sensitive to environmental change. Hence, changes in the populations can be early indicators for ecological problems, which, by the way, is why the whole concept of monitoring them by counting populations is so important. It's the first line of awareness that there is a problem in the environment in which they live. Jolie, you're making too much noise. I hope that's not bothering you. Oh, there's the sound I wanted to hear. She howls. Say it again, Jolie. You know what? Perfect. Thank you, Jolie. 
Oh, that's so funny. I'm so glad you got to hear that. When we first got her, which was in January of 2021, they thought she was a hound pointer mix. Well, of course, Kurt had to get her DNA tested, and there's not a bit of pointer in her, but there are like four hounds. He knows them all. Tick hound. I don't know. Blue, blue tick hound. Um, tree hound. I forget, but that howl is a classic, and I'm just loving it. It's so funny. So where was I here? <laughs> the Frog and Toad Field Guide provided during training lists 16 species, about 10 of which live in our neck of the woods, from what I could tell, though I'm not an expert, and you don't need to be either to become a Frog Watch USA volunteer. All it takes is a few hours of training to learn how to choose a wetland site and learn how to listen for just three minutes, a minimum of four times a year. And then, of course, how to record your findings and report it to the authorities. There's a CD available to memorize their mating songs before getting started. That's not hard. Think of how many tunes and lyrics you know by heart. What's ten more amphibian songs to add to your favorites? I'm smiling about this because I have the CD in my truck, and um, it's the only one I have. <laughs> and uh, I was listening obsessively when I first took the training, and there's a little quiz and everything, and I was getting pretty good at it. So I probably should brush up on it, though, because I've learned my chorus of participants, but uh, when I hear a new sound, I'm not always sure what it is. There's always something to learn, isn't there? While volunteering is not a significant commitment of time, the valuable data will help save our wetlands, critical for erosion and flood control and natural water filtration, not to mention the threatened species that rely on wetlands, such as our essential and adorable frogs and toads. To learn more about volunteering, visit Frog Watch USA. It's simple, it's fun, and you can make a difference. Garden Dilemmas? Ask Mary Stone .com. I have to share something very funny. So there is a gal named Mary who has often responded to me with different tidbits of fun garden humor and cartoons and such. And uh, so when she saw this column about attracting toads to the garden, she wrote me the funniest note and I have to share it. So Mary writes, love this idea. However, I have a cautionary note. I created a toad house one year However, when I looked under, I found a snake instead of a toad, and I am an aphrodiaphobic, so I was not happy. Also, I don't know if the snake ate the toad. Another time, I had a toad in the house. It must have hopped in my kitchen door when I opened it to go outside. My cats alerted me to its presence under a wheeled wicker storage box in my living room. Fortunately, I was able to scoop it up using a large dustpan and settle it carefully back on the deck. It took up a brief residence on the deck behind an old picnic basket I used as a planter. So I wrote back, Oh my, Mary, your story reads like a harrowing action film. I'm giggling about your cat's finesse of alerting you of the little fellow. A happy ending for at least one toad. Thanks for sharing. So then after I posted my reply, uh, Mary emailed me, and it was so funny. She writes, I'm glad you found the Toad House story amusing. I hate snakes, all in capital letters. Gardening helps put me in my place, keeps me humble, and reminds me that I can't control everything. Isn't that true? Well, I appreciate that, Mary, and I actually thanked her for that. 
um, because, you know, that is what this is all about, isn't it? That we learn and grow from the lessons of nature in this garden of life. Mary also wrote that uh, it's been a spectacular year for gardens, and she's so right about that. I think it's because of all the uh, snow we had and the nitrogen boost it gave the soil. So I wrote back that it, things in the garden seem supersized this year, that's for sure. Hopefully not for snakes, though. I'll admit I don't care for the element of surprise or the venomous ones, but a friendly garter snake makes me happy doing his job tending to pests. And of course, I agree with the lessons from gardening. Smiley face. <laughs> thank you for sharing. And thank you all for sharing this time together on the screen porch. I so enjoy our chats, and I hope you do too. And if you wouldn't mind, I wish you could subscribe to the column and share with your friends that you think may enjoy it as well. And I look forward to um, sharing more stories about how nature and our gardens heal and grow our lives. Thanks so much. You can follow Garden Dilemmas on Facebook or online at GardenDilemmas.com and on Instagram at hashtag Mary Elaine Stone. Garden Dilemmas, Delights, and Discoveries is produced by Alex Bartling. Thanks for coming by. I look forward to chatting again from my screen porch. And always remember to embrace the unexpected in this garden of life. Have a great day. Mm -hmm.